we we have realized that you know what if you are focusing on uh, the first purchase only you are missing out the whole potential of the customer relationship down the line but there are few let's say voices in the marketing field in the retail field which are articulating the fact that hey you can cherish you can nurture those relationships you can actually measure things like customer lifetime value and RFM and uh, customer acquisition cost because at the end of you're listening to the focus on customer experience podcast. podcast Benjamin Del Grosso gives you the ins and outs of one of the most underlooked aspects in business today improve your customer service and watch your business skyrocket Two, one. now here's your host Benjamin Del Grosso Let's do this. Hello and welcome to the show. Today we have marketing guru, Valentin Radu. He's the founder at OmniConvert. Optimized customer acquisition is not a piece of cake. Actually, it's a whole cake. You need to satisfy your clients and have them come back for as long as possible. Make your website convert better. Retain customers at a leaner cost of sales. Stop wasting media. For that, you need to test beyond random or the obvious. You might even have to innovate to be able to meet your customers effectively at all brand interaction touch points. So, Valentin, welcome to the show. Hi there, Ben, and hello, everyone. I'm really glad to be here with you. So, do you want to tell us just a little small clip of how you got to uh, being the founder of OmniConvert? Yeah, so I've started as a former e-commerce entrepreneur. So I was struggling with uh, making uh, profitability happen on my end. I was uh, uh, making a lot of money in terms of the revenue, but not too much in terms of the profit. So I got back to focus on the unit economics and two of them stood out from the rest, which were the conversion rate and the customer lifetime value. And that at that moment... I've uh, built something which is the ancestor of our own technology right now, which uh, allowed me to change the website in order to improve the conversion rates. Uh, taking the time machine 10 years after, we we have two products. One is for uh, improving the conversion rates and the other one is to improve the customer lifetime value. We are focusing mainly on e-commerce and retailers. Uh, we, we support hundreds of uh, companies uh, or, uh, from all over the world. And uh, as you can see, I've decided to sell that company due to the uplifts that we've generated. And I figured that this is the way to go because uh, I always uh, changed my life based on uh, the, let's say, the paradigm, you know, the the explanation that I give about uh, who am I. So I decided that the best uh, uh, character that I want to play is to, to be a software as a service entrepreneur and to focus on the global market rather than our uh, local market here in uh, Romania. Nice. So obviously, because you're in the e-commerce space and you're working on trying to maintain customers, um, how is retail facing a tectonic shift? Yeah. So what's uh, what's happening at the same time, Ben, is that we're coming after pandemic when uh, we, we have seen the traditional bricks and mortar uh, brands Folk, retailers focusing on uh, on the digital channels at the end uh, at the uh, exact moment or pretty much at the exact time we have seen uh, iOS 15 and the cookie deprecation 
happening. And at the same time, right now, we are seeing the return of the customers and the consumers on their uh, traditional bricks and mortar. So that means the e-commerce and retail right now is facing this shift from acquiring customers that never come back and uh, let's say lending uh, the, the space from uh, media networks such as Facebook, Instagram, whatever, to their, their need to, to establish relationships with their customers. So basically we are having, we are seeing now this transition from clicks to relationships because it's too expensive to acquire customers that never come back. And that means the retailers are now in a position to leverage their own data and to have this type of uh, ongoing relationships because the unit economics are forcing them to be profitable, not only from the first purchase, from the first transaction, but further down the line, because the more competition, no third party data like they, they used to be and more co competitors at, uh, the, at the same time for the same eyeballs. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. You know, the networking group I'm in, that is one of the things they are preaching is that a lot of people are now flocking back to the retail stores, right? They're finding that they want to have relationships with the customers. They were, you know, they were stuck in their homes for so long. They want to go and talk to people. So yeah. if you're just running a, an, an, you know, an e-commerce company where you're not making, having any kind of relationships with your, your clients at all, then you are missing out. And so that sounds like that's what you're doing to try and create a, a difference in the customer experience with your uh, your clients. Yeah, that's right. We we have realized that, you know what, if you are focusing on uh, the first purchase only, you are missing out the whole potential of the customer relationship down the line. But there are a few, let's say, voices in the marketing field, in the retail field, which are articulating the fact that, hey, you can cherish, you can nurture those relationships. You can actually measure things like customer lifetime value and RFM and uh, customer acquisition cost. Because at the end of the day, Ben, it's all a matter of how much you are getting from customers and your, how much you are paying to acquire those customers. And those are the type of KPIs that we should all be focusing on, not on shallow metrics like uh, ROAS or CPC or CPA. These are fine, but these are very shallow. You know, it's not uh, giving you the actual profitability. So the, the path to profitability is customer lifetime value and the balance, the ratio between CLV and CAC. And having this, measuring it is the first, uh, first step to actually optimizing it. So now, if you're like, uh, if you if you have your own company, you start with the vision, and then you have objectives, and then you have the data to to support those objectives. You monitor what matters, and then you come up with the right processes and with the right people to uh, fulfill that vision. But if you are looking at misleading or shallow metrics like ROAS, not taking into account other costs that you have, then you are shooting in the dark. And right now, most of the companies are either overspending or underspending to acquire customers that never come back. And that things uh, are, are not healthy on the, on the long run. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, you're talking about lifetime value of customers. And like I was telling you, like, like how do how is it that you turn one-time buyers into lifetime customers and how do you help like a small business uh, yeah. grow so there are there is this methodology i've talked a, a bit extensively in my book and in the cvo academy because basically i'm obsessed about these things i think that that 
the, we we are uh, neglecting this for too long, and there are a lot of companies struggling, like I've did as well. And the 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 Facebook, Google, whatever companies, they are not having these vested interests in helping companies grow, not only by acquiring, uh, but also by retaining their customers. So how you do it in a nutshell? It's called customer value optimization. It's a method. It's a process to a understand who are your best customers. B, make sure that you acquire those uh, those customers and C, provide the right products and the right experiences to, to, to them. And there are these three pillars of customer value optimization. First is what you sell, which are the products, the merchandising, right? Without a good product, you can't expect customers to come back and buy again suboptimal uh, uh, products, right? So the, the first thing and the most important one is to make sure that are we selling the right products? Are our customers happy? And then we get to the second pillar, which is the customer experience. Like what kind of customer journey we are offering them? Are we providing them the right experience? So it's what you do is the second pillar. And it's the customer experience and measuring things like net promoter score, customer satisfaction, customer effort score. And the third pillar is the marketing is what you say and as you can see here ben and it's uh, the paradox is most companies are starting with marketing when they should be starting with the customer the products the right experience and then uh, uh pour money into the acquisition machine but they are starting with marketing they are tweaking the ROAs, the creatives the emails and whatever without making sure that they have the right product market fit. And most companies are dying just because they don't have the right product market fit and they are offering a, a suboptimal customer experience. And that prevents their customers to come back, buy again and advocate for uh, for, for for generating network effect or, or word of mouth. Yeah, no. Uh, so like a lot of small business owners are going to have problems building lifetime customers because a lot of times they don't, do any follow-up with their customers, right? So they're not finding out how everything's going. They're not doing like a one-week follow-up. They're not doing like a, you know, a one-year follow-up, right? So they're not making sure that that they're still happy and making a reminder in their head. Because, I mean, all that is is taking your time to say, hey, how's everything going? Is everything working yeah. all right? Yes, everything is. Okay. And then you're keeping that customer top of mind that sorry, the customer story is keeping you top of, mind. top of mind. Hey, that Ben guy called me and do that. By the way, my friend was looking for that. He, you know what? You should use Ben. He actually wants to take care of customers and he took care of me and I've been really happy with his services. But if you don't, what ends up happening is I got it. I got that from somebody last year. I don't remember who it was, but ah, whatever. You know what? I'm sure you'll figure it out. Yeah, but I mean, but that's the whole thing. thing. Yeah, right. So that's what you're you you are going to help those small business owners uh, stay top of mind, right? Yeah. But one, one one thing which is neglected is this follow up after the first purchase. So when when a customer buys for the first time, it's not like you have a customer. You have uh, someone which is experimenting, is testing you out. But if you if you are happy with the revenue that you're getting, the profit that you're getting from the first transaction, that's great even though it's way too expensive. So there are few companies that could scale with paid marketing right now because they, you, you, you pay a lot of money to acquire that customer. And if you are not making sure that the customer is consuming or using the product and it's happy about it, that means uh, throwing money out of the window. So 
it's a very simple thing that you can do on the thank you page. You make sure that, you know, you collect this kind of data, like who is your customer? What is the, the purpose of why they are buying this product? And once you know what's causing the customer to buy and more things related to this zero party data, like, like they say, you know, it's a, it's a post-purchase survey where you are collecting this type of insight information and you leverage that with your email campaigns because you are way more relevant if you know that, let's say you, you are selling toys and you know that you, you have a mother which is buying toys for their kid or you have an uncle which is buying toys for their nephew and it's a one-time purchase and it's a gift. So knowing these type of things puts you, you know, into a position to follow up with relevant messaging. And after that, after you are making sure that the products were being delivered, the being shipped, then you can find out if the customers are happy with the NPS. And NPS, it's, a, it's an amazing tool because it allows you to see what kind of expectations you've set. Yeah, because you are promising a, a better future when you are selling something, that something is the bridge from A to B, you know? What kind of bridge have you sold and what, where were the expectations uh, that you've set. And then on the post-delivery side of things, you check what kind of uh, 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 reality you've, uh, you've actually sold to that customer. And the difference between the expectations and the reality is the delivery gap. If it's, if it's uh, positive or negative, that's up to you to fix. And basically, few are the companies which are doing this, even though it's one of the less expensive things, and marketers are acquainted to do these expensive things, which are throwing $1,000 on Facebook ads, but they are not investing $100 in a system to, to monitor the entire feedback coming from their hundreds of customers. Yeah, no, you definitely need to follow up with what's going on. And and I, I am very big on that. I mean, when I first started the company, I definitely, the first year, I wasn't doing any follow-ups. Like I wasn't really doing anything at all. It was all reactionary, right? Oh, they're calling. They have a problem. We better find a way to to take care of them now, right? But yeah. nowadays, like after the first year, and I'm you know pretty much three years in the business now. The last two years has been you know I want to follow up within a week. I want to follow up within eleven months. I want to find out you know what's going on. Are they happy? And also give them the gentle reminder that I am here for them if they do have any challenges. Now you were talking about like the email campaigns and, you know, I don't want to turn this into a negative conversation, but, but it sounds like your email campaigns are a little bit smarter than the average email campaign. Yeah. It sounds like you have found a way to monitor. Cause I always find like I had a CRM for a while and I got rid of it because I found that like, you know, I, I, I went on someone's website once and they're just like, they just keep emailing me. Bye, bye, bye. It's like, but I've already bought like six months ago, why do you keep emailing me trying to get me to buy the same thing? And it sounds like somehow you've done something special there, right? Is, yeah. is, am I right or wrong here? Okay. Yeah, yeah, of course you're right, Ben. So what we discovered is that, of course, Pareto principle 80-20 works in e-commerce as well. So it's not exactly 80-20, but with the RFM segmentation, and RFM stands for recency, frequency, and monetary value, you have segments of customers. Let's say if you have a high recency customer with a high frequency, so they've bought, let's say, five times from you and a high monetary value, those are the loyal customers. Those are your best customers out there. And you, you don't want to 
let's say, address them like you are addressing all of them, all the customers, right? And then you have newly acquired customers and then you have newly acquired customers with the high spending potential. Let's say they have the highest recency score they've got, let's say, in the last three weeks. They have the lowest frequency score, so they've bought only once, but they also have the highest monetary score. So they are high potential newly acquired customers. And with the email campaigns, only for those two groups, you can become way more relevant, right? Because you can afford to give a concierge approach to your uh, high spending potential uh, customers. And then you, with the same RFM, you could have customers like churn customers that used to be uh, loyal. We call them the ex-lovers, right? In in this type of relationships, you 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 can treat them differently. And you also have lost customers that are simply breakups. You don't wanna you you don't wanna reactivate them because they are bargain hunters. So with the RFM, you can orchestrate this type of email marketing campaigns which are highly relevant. And basically you have onboarding campaigns for the newly acquired customers, you have prevention campaigns for the existing customers that are active and they are good. And also you have reactivation campaigns for the ones which are long gone. But what's the mistake that most of the companies are doing is that they have a one size fits all approach and they are diversifying the creatives around the fact that they are giving to everyone a 10% discount code, but they are not diversifying the type of messaging according to the relationship that their customers have with them. So with this type of email campaigns, you can set them and then forget about them because they are triggered automatically. So when a customer gets into the danger zone, boom, you have a prevention campaign. When the customer is already lost, you have a reactivation campaign being triggered automatically. And I think in this era of automation, we should be leveraging these kind of things because it's not rocket science, right? Yeah, no, like sending the same message to everybody is weird. I mean, uh, I, you know, I have to, I have conversations where I do my follow-ups and it's like we installed such and such dash cam. We worked on your Honda. We worked on your Toyota. We worked on your Ford. And I try and have it very narrowed down to, to what we did for them. Right. Yeah. And and I only follow up that I'm not following up trying to sell them anything. I'm not trying to do anything like that. I'm just trying to let them know I'm going to be there for them. However, at the same time, you're you're talking about a lot of like remarketing at the same time as following up, right? So it's yeah. it's almost like you're doing both at the same time. And really me uh, saying, you know, hi, we're going to be there for that. I'm doing the same thing as well, but you have it. It sounds like, Actually, not sounds like when I was on your website, it looks like you more are there to help businesses scale and continue growing at a proper pace. While because that's a big problem is once companies start growing, they find it very hard to scale and do the same things repeatedly as they grow. Yeah, that's right. There, so there, go ahead. There are there are there are companies which. Uh, and it all starts with the uh, with the mentality, to be honest, Dan. Because if the decision makers, if the leaders of those companies are realizing that, hey, we should be uh, nurturing our customers differently and we should be acquiring the right customers with the right product. Because another thing that you can find out through analy uh, analysis uh, on the customer research, you could understand which are the products that are providing you the most sticky customers. Like maybe you have 10, 20, 100, 2000 SKUs, it doesn't matter. What it matters is 
you do you have like anomalies in your data? Do you have some certain SKUs that if those are being bought first time, the lifetime value is 20, 30, 80% higher? And if that's the case, then you should be using another customer acquisition cost to promote those type of products because that means those customers are more sticky, right? And we, we've seen this in our data over and over again. So we work with a lot of customers and we've seen, for instance, in the, we had the digital cameras uh, company, they, 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 the same products in terms of AOV and lifetime value, which was five times higher. Why? Because in the first purchase, you are starting, the customer started with buying uh, lights for their studio. And it was, it was clear that they are starting with lights, but they need way more other things down the line. So not all the products are created equal, even though they have the same average order value. So with this type of approach, you know how to, uh, what kind of battles to, to, to pick. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like you guys are like from looking at the website, it looks pretty impressive what you're, what you're doing and what you're trying to do to help business owners. Right. So how do you help optimize your customer journey with data-driven decisions? Yeah. So one, one important thing is that, uh, uh, throughout the customer journey, you have different touch points, right? And at some different moments throughout the customer journey, you have the initial phase, which is, let's say, the awareness phase, and then you have the acquisition one, and then you have the onboarding, you have the prevention, referral, loyalty, reactivation campaign. So throughout this, this journey, you can collect, for instance, what is the feedback of the customers through the through the NPS, the Net Promoter Score. And one thing that you can do really easily, and uh, again, I'm a big fan of automations. I think the machines are there to, to, to help us, even though there are all sorts of rumors nowadays, but we are not getting into this, uh, uh, this uh, grim scenarios. <laughs> like uh, you, you could do this type of automations. Let's say you collect the net promoter score. And you, if you have pissed off customers that are very valuable, you can automatically deploy a ticket and find out what's going on, pick up the phone and call those kind of customers. For instance, we are working with an uh, office supply company which adapted this methodology, this uh, CVO methodology in our software. And they have this uh, five minutes service level agreement that they have internally to call any of their best customers that have an NPS score, which is lower than eight, which means if you are looking on Pareto, right? So those customers in their case, they generate something like 65% of their total margin, but they are only 10% of their total customers, right? So for those 10 customers, they collect the NPS at any touch point. And if the NPS is lower than seven, then eight, then they are picking up the phone. So someone from their customer service calls them. You might think, okay, but they are a big company. Yes, but you can do it at any level, right? Because if you have your customers, no matter how big or small you are as a company, if you have feedback from your customers, maybe you can't do it in five minutes, but maybe you can do it in two, three, four hours. And maybe you can cannot do it today, but it's a pity to waste an opportunity to re- uh, reactivate a, a customer and to find out what's wrong because the, that's another thing with the NPS you ask customers what are the chances to uh, recommend you to a friend or colleague from 0 to 10 and if it's uh, beyond be, uh, be, below 8 for instance you can 
find out what's causing them to give you that rating. And then you have open uh, uh, responses and those topics are, are allowing you to debug your entire customer journey, you know? And basically that's, that's how you do it. That's only one thing, but the whole idea is to collect the data, not to uh, settle for what you can find in Google analytics or in your Shopify, because those are good, uh, good, uh, good data. But the most important data is data that you can get from your best customers that come back and your best customers that stopped coming back. And those type of things, you can ask them only by asking. And it's so cheap, it's so inexpensive to go out there and to ask them what's going on in their heads and how can you get better. Yeah, the, the power of communication is is huge. And, you know, I had this customer give me a four out of five on Google and the reason why he gave me a four to five, he goes, because I just don't give anybody a five, right? And I was like, oh, okay. So then I started thinking, what can I do to give make everybody want to give me a five yeah. out of five on Google? What can I do different that no one else is doing? And I found a different way to give a customer experience to everybody. And what I did is I've harnessed the power of video, right? Yeah. So that's what I do. I do personalized video thank yous and I talk directly to them. Now, how am I going to scale that? That's going to be a whole different thing as the company grows, right? Yeah. But right now, that's what's getting me those fives is that separation from like that big box. And I mean, a company like yours sounds like something that I may need to look into for my business as it grows, because we're looking at yeah. growing into another market right now and looking at, you know, hopefully getting a few few employees on board. And uh, it definitely is something that I've, I'll probably be, I think you're actually looking at offering a discount to people for attending uh, a training, I think you were talking about in the email. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if exactly. you wanted to talk about that, that'd probably be awesome. Yeah, so we have this thing called the CVO Academy. It's a, it's an extensive training for uh, uh, for anyone willing to learn about customer value optimization. I've teamed up with the heavy hitters in the space of e-commerce, customer experience, acquisition, ads, uh, and conversion rate optimization as well. So there are eight uh, eight instructors there besides me, and uh, basically we are talking about a comprehensive way to data driven growth for for any e-commerce out there so for whoever wants to to attend that uh, i'll give you the 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 details and uh, basically you can uh, uh, you can use ben 50 so ben b e n 50 on cvoacademy.com and you'll get a 50% discount on our training which is a $500 uh, uh, discount code so don't don't forget about it yeah that's awesome so how does everybody actually get a hold of you, Valentine? So I'm a LinkedIn uh, person. So I'm uh, I'm posting there every day, almost every day, hopefully every day, not in the <laughs> weekends because I'm trying to separate things off. But uh, I'm uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter as well. Or you can find me on uh, CVO Academy on uh, .com or on Omniconvert.com. And also I'm launching my, uh, my book, which is called The CLV Revolution. Uh, you can uh, you can find the, the and read the first chapter on theclvrevolution.com. Uh, and one last uh, thought for for your audience, Ben. Congrats for educating yourselves. So if you continue to educate yourself, you are going to become unbeatable. Because right now you are hearing the voice of an ex-poor kid from Bucharest, Romania, which was an ex-communist 
country. So I was so poor and I thought that I have no chance in this life. However, by learning, being curious and constantly applying these kind of things, I got where I am today. So basically, congrats for educating yourself and for hearing the Ben's show, guys. Thank you for coming on today. This was this was awesome. It was very enlightening and uh, educational, even just going through your website. You're welcome. Thanks a lot for hearing me and for having me today, Ben.